How many is ready to receive the word of the Lord today? Are you ready to receive this word? Come on, put your hand over your heart and say, I'm ready to receive this word. God, I receive. Say, God, I open up my heart today. I open up my mind to receive the true living word today. May it change me from the inside out in Jesus' name. Well, today, if you're new to our church, you're in for a blessing. And I want you to know we are thrilled to have returned back home some of our very own. We, we, we count them as family here. Uh, the Williams family, when they graduated college here locally, they had just gotten married as a young couple, and I invited them to come on. They came on as our staff, as our young adult leaders, and quickly grew over the years. Uh, TJ preached some of his very first messages here in this pulpit, and uh, his wife, Courtney, was one of my personal administrators and worked for our business office as well. And they're both a blessing to our church. We're involved heavily in our worship and leadership, and we love them. They're not just, they're not just guest ministers. They're family to us, okay? We love them like family, and uh, I want you to put your hands together, and I want you to welcome. They are campus pastors there at Life Point Church in West Virginia. I mean, in Virginia, not West Virginia, right? In Virginia. And I want you to put your hands together and welcome them today as they come. Come on, if you love Jesus, why don't you make some noise in this place? Oh, come on, I said if you love Jesus, why don't you make some noise in this place? I said if you love Jesus, why don't you give him about five seconds of your biggest praise in this place? Come on, let's set the atmosphere for what God's trying to do in this place right now. I want you to remain standing for a moment because I, I think too often, Pastor Gene, we can get come, become common with the presence of God. The presence of God is in this room right now. And what I know in my 32 years of life is that when the presence of God is in a room, things have to change. I, I want you to hear me. I didn't say things could change, things maybe would change. I said things have to change because of the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. And so if you are in this place today and you have need of anything right now, I want you to know the presence of God is resting in this place right now and he wants to speak to you. He wants to move into your heart right now. And so could you take just about five seconds and lift up your own worship, lift up a shout of praise in this place right now. Come on, church. Come on, let's set the atmosphere for what God wants to do in this place. Father, you're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're the great I am. You're the Prince of peace. We invite you to this place right now. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way in this place. Would you just lift your hands? I want to pray for you right now. I want to get to my message, but God is doing something in this church right now. Father, I pray over these, your people, right now in the name of Jesus. And before we even get to any message, God, before we get to anything like that, God, we don't need another good message, God. We don't need another good, uh, feel-good talk, God. We need your presence. And it is only your presence that changes. It is only your presence that shifts, God. It is only your presence that can bring healing, change, and set the captives free. So I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Breathe on us, God. Breathe on us. And we will receive your presence in this place. God, thank you for meeting us here. 
Don't ever let us take your presence for common, God, and for granted. God, don't ever let us show up, God, and not really give you ourselves. God, you deserve our praise. You deserve our worship. So I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way, that you'd speak through us, and that you would change every heart in this place. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a big amen. Come on, one more time. If you love Jesus, why don't you give him a big praise in this place? Hallelujah. Man. What's up, D.C.? I miss you guys. It's so good to see some familiar faces. But I was telling Pastor Gene in the back earlier, man, I love seeing so many faces that I don't know. That means that God is doing a new thing here and that God is moving in a very powerful way. And so if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, my name is TJ. And um, like Pastor Gene said, we, we live in Virginia. And all you need to know about me is, is I, I have a family. Number one, my beautiful bride is sitting here on the front row. Can y'all give it up for my girl, my one, my wife? I have a whole lot of more things I want to call her. But the last time I did that, I got in trouble. So I won't do that. Um, but babe I love you thank you for being here with me today my girls are in here somewhere there's Gia and my baby my one-year-old she's around here somewhere probably screaming and crying but um, that's all you need to know about me second thing you need to know about me is I just love Jesus y'all I just passionately love Jesus and I want people to encounter that same Jesus that changed my life in fact I, I feel like I need to do this right now I didn't do this last service but this Jesus that I'm gonna preach to you about this is not just a story that I read it's a person that I encountered for, for 12 years of my life, this guy who was leading worship, who was traveling around the country, not in a massive way, but I got to lead worship at some cool places and stuff like that. This guy was in bondage and bound to watching things. I won't say the word because I see there's children in the room, but watching things that I should not watch. You know what I mean? And I was in bondage to it for 12 years. But I met the person of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I met the person of Jesus and he completely changed me from the inside out. And so that's what I want you to encounter in this place today. Before I go any further, I do have to give honor where honor is due. You know, your pastors are, are not just pastors to us. They are not just mentors. They are not just leaders who have invested into us. No, they're good friends. Uh, we talked a lot. We dream together. We talk about what's happening in each other's ministries and what's coming up and what's happening. And I want you to know, like he said earlier, I, I get the opportunity to minister to, to people at a different scale. And the only reason why I've got to do that is because he was crazy enough to trust a sweaty, screaming, jumping around black man with the microphone to preach some of his few messages. And and uh, I just want to tell you, Pastor Gene, Pastor Mel, in front of everybody, I am deeply, 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 we are deeply indebted to you. We would not be who we are without you guys. We would not have the opportunity to do what we're doing today without you. Thank you for trusting us and investing us. But most importantly, thank you for sending us so that we can continue to grow. And we love you. The Bible says that those that preach and teach the word are worthy of double honor. And I don't know if you know, but being a pastor, it ain't easy. Because being a pastor, um, it's uh, the greatest thing about ministry is people. And the worst thing about ministry is people. 
And so would you stand onto your feet and will you honor the senior pastors of this house, pastors Gene and Mel. Oh, come on, y'all can do better than that. They're your pastors, they're your leaders. We love you. Hey, stay standing one more moment. I'm gonna let y'all sit down, I promise. I'm gonna stand longer than y'all anyway, it's cool. But I wanna read our opening text and then we're gonna get into the word today. It's found in Genesis chapter 37, verse two. And it says, this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17, Joseph being our main character today, he often tended to his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bela and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Somebody say snitches get stitches. That's what happened to my man Joseph right there. Um, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. If you've been around church at all, you've heard this story before, the coat of many colors. And But his brothers hated him, hated Joseph, because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. In my last verse right now, it says, one night, Joseph had a dream. Everybody say, Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. I want to bring a message to you today entitled, In the Middle. In the Middle. Father, we pray, God, that you would bless your word today, God, that I would just be your mouthpiece, God, that I won't be a distraction, that people won't look to me, God, but they will look to the God in me, and God, that they will be changed forever, God, not because of something that I said, God, but because of something that you are saying directly to them today, God. God, have your way in this place, minister to us, and move like only you can. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said a big amen, amen, amen. You may take your seats at this time. So, uh, like Pastor Gene said, we live in we live in Virginia, and and uh, for you to have reference, we live 45 minutes outside of Washington D.C. Um, that crazy place, like that one y'all see on CNN. Like we live right there. And um, so it takes a long time for us to travel this way. When we come this way, we definitely don't drive because that's the devil. It will be 21 hours and your boy don't do more than five hours of driving. I just don't do that. And so we fly here and when my wife is booking the tickets, I always ask her this question. I'm like, hey, babe, where are we going to be sitting? Now, for reference, I'm not asking like, hey, are we going to be in first class or not? No, we're in ministry. Your boy is always in the back. Like sometimes sitting by the toilet. It's okay, but it's okay because at least I'm on the plane and I'm getting where I need to go. But when I'm asking her, where am I going to be sitting? She knows when I'm asking the question, I'm saying, hey, babe, am I sitting? Because I'm real selfish and I'm working on that this year. But anyway, uh, she knows that. Um, I, I ask her, hey, babe, am I sitting... And did you get me the aisle seat? Because you know your boy need that leg room. Like, I need, to, I need to put that knee out. You get the leg room. Um, or, you know, worst case scenario, you, you got me the window seat. And I'm cool with that. I don't love it, but I'm cool with that. Because I know that after almost nine years of marriage, that she knows my heart and that she is a true believer. And she knows that your boy don't ever sit in the middle seat. Come on, somebody. Hey, don't nobody, if anybody like the middle seat on airplanes, if you do, I'm going to have a special uh, altar call for you after service. Nobody likes the middle seat. You know how it goes. You, you get in the middle seat and you're first and you're like, man, this seat is whack. But uh, you're like, man, hopefully, just hopefully people won't show up. 
Then somebody shows up and they scoot over. And you're like, oh, man, they're sitting here. And you're like, oh, well, hopefully at least, you know, this other person ain't going to come. And then you want to scoot over. Y'all know what it's like. You, you want to scoot over to the other seat. And they get on the thing. They're like, oh, we're going to be uh, boarding. We're going to be taking off in two minutes. You're like, yes, God, the favor of God is on me. I'm going to get to move over. And then they're about to close the door. You hear somebody say, wait, wait. And they come on and they're looking and they're looking for their seat. And they come sit right next to you. And you're like, come on. And y'all know the middle seat it is whack because as soon as you sit down, you're already in the arm wrestle battle. Like in the arm, in the armrest, y'all know what it is. It's like, do I put my arm here? No. Do you? Do I do the front half or do I do the back half? Then I got to sit down and get my, my my backpack. And then when you're in the middle seat, you may have to get up and use the restroom. You're like, this person's sleeping. You're like, excuse me, I got to get up. I got to go to the bathroom. You got to get up. You go. They got to get up. They go to the bathroom. You come back and and they're still they're asleep again. You're like, you knew I was coming right back. Why did you fall asleep in the first? place so anyway I get back and I get back in my seat and finally I'm all uncovered I'm, I'm uncomfortable I'm sitting here I'm trying to get some rest and then this person's like hey excuse me I gotta go to the bathroom what were you doing you knew when I went to the bathroom you should have got up at the same time nobody likes the middle seat because it's uncomfortable this person is all up in your space this person is chatty Kathy and they want to talk to you and their breath smell like hot garbage and they got a mask on and somehow their breath still stink listen how does your breath still stink even if you got a mask on that's a whole nother anyway <laughs> nobody likes to be in the middle seat I think we can apply this same principle to our lives None of us like to be in the middle season of our lives. We like the dream like Joseph. And we like to receive that dream like Joseph, but nobody wants to be in the middle. Let me tell you what the middle is so that you have some context. The middle is the process in which you must go through in order to receive what God has for you. That's the middle. It's the process. Everybody say the process. It's the process you must go through to receive what God has for you. So nobody wants to sit in the middle. And here's why I think we don't like to sit in the middle is because uh, uh, we would rather sit in the aisle seat. Because in the aisle seat, like I said, we got that leg room. We also can see when that stewardess is coming with that one drop of water and that one peanut that they give you because that's what they give you on flights now. And you're like, okay, at least I can see that. And worst case scenario, you're like, you know what, the aisle seat, the, we really like to be in the window seat because in the window seat of life you can at least look out in the window and you can see your destination you can see things that are ahead you can see things that are coming you can see when things are changing and a lot of us we don't want to be in the middle seat because we want to see when this pandemic's going to end we want to see when our business is going to come back we want to see when that person's going to come and ask for forgiveness we want to see when our marriage is going to change we want to see when our financial situation is going to turn around and i just came here from virginia to tell you to know that sometimes god does his best work in the middle he does his best work in the middle. Somebody say in the middle. So we try to avoid the middle. Like I don't normally book our flights. My wife normally does all that. She takes care of all that for us. But if I ever do, they're like, uh, um, hey, here's the first ticket. It's a decent price. And then they're like, but for a slight upcharge of $2.98, you can have an aisle seat. And I'm like, $2.98? Y'all tripping. But let me get that aisle seat because your boy is not sitting in the, I'm not, sit, I'm not sitting in the middle. 
But it's not just me, y'all. I did a survey. I saw a survey about frequent travelers, and this is how much they try to avoid the middle as well. It says 50% of people said that they would rather take an aisle seat on the next flight over sitting on the middle seat in their current flight. Now, if you're, if you're in, a, in a big city, Dallas, Chicago, something like that, you might get another flight coming in 30, 35 minutes, 45 minutes. But if you're in Joplin Regional, <laughs> you're going to be waiting about three, four days before that next flight comes. You're just going to be sitting there. 20% of people said that they would stay overnight somewhere to avoid the middle seat. They would just stay overnight in a random in a random town, and 9% of people said this. They said they would outright refuse the middle seat ever. They just would never sit there. And I know that's funny, but I think we are the same way when it comes to the season and the process and the middle seasons of our life. We try to avoid it as well. How do I know it? Well, I think because we try to lose weight without doing the workout or having the diet. We want to have a great marriage without doing the work that it takes to have a good marriage. It's real quiet in this church. We want to have the financial freedom, but we want to have the financial discipline. Or I'll say it this way. We want to have the blessing, but we don't want to have the budget. It's fine. I'll go home tomorrow. I know y'all ain't gonna like me. We have, we want to have the harvest without ever being planted. We want to receive everything that Pastor Gene is preaching to us and we want to live in that harvest, but we don't want to serve. We don't want to tithe. We don't want to give. We don't want to show up. It's fine. It's fine. I don't live here anymore and y'all don't have to like me. We want the photo without the dark room. We want the blessing without the burden. We want the success without sacrifice. We want promotion without pain. What am I saying in all of this? I'm saying that we want the promise of God, but we have to have the process and the process happens in the middle. And so here's what I want to tell you today is that the middle season is not just important, but it's necessary for your future. Because it's here in the middle seat where you learn about yourself. It's here in the middle seat, and we were all in the middle seat in 2020. COVID wrecked everything. The election wrecked everything. The racism wrecked everything. And you started to learn who was really who because they were in the middle seats. You started seeing what they were posting. You started seeing what they were saying. You started seeing their attitudes. Then you looked at the mirror and said, uh-oh, I'm tripping too because I'm here in this middle seat. The middle does a lot of things, but the best thing it does is it grows you and it prepares you for what God has for you. Somebody say it's in the middle. It's in the middle. So this is where we pick up Joseph's story. So Joseph had a dream. And let me tell you uh, uh, real fast what his dream was. His dream was, was he was already hated by his brothers. But his dream was that one day he would be like ruler. He'd be really in charge. And they all came and bowed at him. They all came and asked him for things. And it's just really, really like he already told on his brothers. And they already tried to give him some stitches. And so now... Now his dad sends Joseph to go check on his brothers. So Joseph saddles up and, and he takes this, this journey. And, and when I did some study, this journey that he took was 50 miles. And, and he had because he had told these people this dream, they had a different opinion and a perspective of this. This is not a part of my, my message today, but I just want to let you know that you need to be careful with who you share your dreams with. You, you, you need to be careful who you tell what your goals and what your aspirations is. They just, just because you want a good marriage for you doesn't mean that they do because they're hurt and they're scarred. Just because you want financial breakthrough doesn't mean that they want that for you. You need to watch. All right, that ain't my message. Hold on. 
So this is where we pick up with Joseph. He, he's on his journey. And when he gets there, here's, here's what happened. In, in verse 23, it says it like this. It says, so when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Remember the gift that I read earlier that his dad gave him, the coat of many colors? They took it off. Then they grabbed him and threw him into a cistern, which is a well. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, hey, hey guys, hey, shouldn't kill our brother. What were we going to gain by, by killing him? We'd have to cover it up and we'd have to cover up the crime. And, and, no, but instead of hurting him, let's sell him. That's a better trade. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to the Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelite traders who were Midianite traders came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. The first thing you realize when you're in a middle season of your life is that in the middle, you lose stability. In the middle, you lose stability. You may be like, what do you mean by that? So my pastor tells me this all the time. He tells us, he says, you got to read the Bible for what it's saying, but you also just have to think about what it's not saying. Like, think about this. Joseph thinks everything is okay. Everything's lottie dotty. Like everything's cool when he leaves and he goes. And then all of a sudden he's ripped out of everything that he knew. He's ripped out of a relationship with his parents. He's ripped out of a relationship with his home and his friends. And he doesn't have a home to go to. He doesn't have his own toilet. Come on, somebody. Y'all know that your own toilet is sacred. Like he don't have all of those things at his disposal. Really what happened was he lost stability or I'll say it this way. He lost his comfort. And what I have learned in my life is the thing that brings us the most stability is comfort. But sometimes God has to remove us out of our comfort so that we can rely on him. Because I want you to know this. God will never give you a life where he is not needed. Hear me say that, church. I'm sorry, this is not uplifting and nobody's like, oh, yeah. But he will never give you a life where he is not needed. And so, so what he lost was his comfort. He lost everything. And, and for some of you, you've lost comfort in this season. You've lost comfort in 2020. You've lost your comfort. But here's where I want you to know this is that, is that in the comfort seasons, those are the times that you got to press in to God. I've learned that the most stability is in comfort. But here's what you need to know today, church, is God does not want us to be comfortable. He wants us to be powerful. I'm going to say that again. God doesn't want us to live this comfortable Christian life. He wants us to be powerful. Well, how do you get powerful? You've got to go through the process. Well, where's the process? In the middle. So you might lose stability. You might lose your comfort when you are in the middle. And the next thing that you learn when you are in a middle season of your life is that there are peaks and there are valleys. There are peaks and there are valleys. So the story goes on to say, Joseph gets sold off. 
But then he, he, he finds, he finds a, a, a freedom. He finds this relationship with, with the Egyptian officer whose name is Potiphar. And Potiphar's like, man, since this guy showed up, like everything is great. Everything is Gucci. Like everything is nice. We out here. And so he's like, I'm going I'm to promote that guy to the highest I, I possibly can. And, and it's just going to take care of everything. So I think Joseph in that moment was like, you know what? I lost my comfort. I lost my stability. I lost all those things, but you know, started from the bottom. Now I'm here. Like he literally started in the bottom. My man was in a well. And then he, he came here and he was like, I'm good. Everything's great. You know, if this is my life now, I think I can make it. But then there was Potiphar's wife and she was trouble because Joseph walked in and she said, Jojo, <laughs> Jojo, 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 that was ridiculous. She said, Joseph, what's up? And he said, nothing. You're married. Get away from me. And the Bible says she kept persisting. She kept coming after him. She kept coming after him. And, and look what happens in verse, in, in chapter 39, verse 12. It says, she came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding Come on, sleep with me. That sounds like my house. Um, Joseph. <laughs> not going to end well for me. It's not going to end well. Joseph tore himself away. But, love you, babe. But he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house and then the Bible says that that she goes on and she makes up this story because now she's got his robe and why would she have his robe so she lied and said he tried to come after her and he tried to do some things to her and so she tells her husband Potiphar and, and the Bible says it says Potiphar was furious he was angry when he heard his wife's story and how Joseph had treated her so he took Joseph and threw him into a prison where the king's prisoners were held and there he remain. I want you to see that when he got elevated, he was in a peak. And when he got thrown into prison, he was in a valley. L let me say it this way. Have you ever felt like you've taken two steps forward and the next day you take 10 steps back? Have you ever felt like, man, uh, our marriage is finally, it's finally going on the, on the right tracks. And then two weeks later, everything's just like all hell broke loose. Have you ever felt like, man, I, 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 I'm not going to uh, drink anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to be sober. I'm going to do all these things. And all of a sudden you fall backwards. Have you ever, have you ever thought, man, I'm never going to look at that computer like that ever again. And somehow you, you fall back. And I, I want you to know this. I'm not coming to condemn you in that today. I just want you to know the truth that, that in the middle seasons of life, there's peaks and there's valleys. And so when there are, here's what you have to do. When you're in a peak season and when you're in a valley season, you have to stand firm on your faith. Uh, you got to stand firm on the word of God. You got to stand firm on what this thing says, that his promises are yes and amen. You got to stand firm that he says, I, I know you, I made you, I formed you. You got to stand firm in knowing that God has a purpose and a plan and a destiny and a calling over your life. And when you are, when you're worshiping God, when you're praising God, it doesn't just happen in the peak seasons. In fact, in my life, I praise God in these moments, but the moments that I praised and worshiped 
God the most was when I was in my valley season, when I was in my lowest season, when I didn't know where the answer was coming from, when I was not sitting in the window seat and I couldn't see it. I said, God, I love you. God, I thank you. God, I trust you. God, you are more than enough because I know in my peaks and the valleys, I've got to stand firm on his word. Somebody say it's in the middle. You got to stand firm in what God has told you. And I just need to encourage somebody today that if God has told you something, it's going to happen. Like, hear me, I'm trying not to come off the stage because Preston told me not to do that because then I go off the camera. But if, if I could get as close to you as I can today, if God told you you are going to receive your healing, it's going to happen. If God has told you that your child is going to come back home, it's going to happen. If God has told you that your, your business is going to be restored, it's going to happen. And so you've got to stand firm on what God has spoken to you. Because sometimes that's the only thing that's going to get you from day to day. God, you said you're going to do it. God, you said you're going to open the door. God, you said, and listen, do you know those are the times that God is leaning in the most? When you tell him his word back to him, he's like, tell me more. Tell me more. You believe I can do that miracle? Tell me more. You believe I can open up that door? Tell me more because God does his best work in the in the middle. So there's peaks and there's valleys. And here's why you got to stand firm in your faith. Because you got to know that in the middle seasons of your life, your faith will be tested. Like, let me just be real with y'all. I know this ain't this uplifting message. We're going to get there. I promise we're going to get there. But your faith will be tested. I, I'm not God, so I don't know for sure. But I just have to think about how I would feel if I was Joseph. You, you got, I, I just think that at some point, he was probably like, you know what? That's it. I'm done with this. I, I'm done with this season. Every time I have a dream, every time I open up my mouth, Every time I try to do something, it's like I just get pulled up to get knocked back down. I just keep losing my stability. I keep like one day is good and then the next 10 are bad. You know what? I give up. And I'm sure for some of you that are in your middle season today, you felt the same way. You want to give up. You want to quit. But could it be that God is using that situation? I'm not saying that he sent it, but could it be that he's using that situation to test your faith? Because here's what you got to know is every good product is tested. Every good product is tested. That seat that you're sitting in, it was tested. That phone that you're using today, it was tested. The car that you drove here today, it was tested. The clothes that you have on, thank God they were tested. Because if we were jumping up, singing, do it all again, and clothes were falling off, this would be a different revival. <laughs> and a different story. But every good product is tested. And if you don't hear me say anything, I need you to hear me say this clearly. You are God's good product. Receive that. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that before, but you are God's good product. He put his stamp of approval on you. And, and maybe your parents have told you, hey, no, you weren't planned. They may have not planned you, but God did. You, you may have thought you were in an accident, but you weren't because God did. The, the Bible says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, prayers to prosper you. I want you to know that you are God's good product. 
And because you're his good product, got to be tested. But if you're being tested in this season of your life, I, I want you to know this, is that if your faith can be tested, then your faith can be trusted. I'm going to say that again. If your faith can be tested, then your faith will be trusted. What do I mean? If God can see you in your valley season, in your low season, and he can test your faith, and you're still lifting your hands, and you're still coming down to the altar, and you're still tithing, and you're still giving, you're still doing all those things, then he can trust you with the promise and the dream that he has for you. Joseph saw that because I'm going to go ahead and skip to the end of this passage is that, is that Joseph had that dream, but he was in a valley season, but I believe he still loved God. I still believe he still worshiped God. I believe he still pressed into God and God said, okay, I see that now. And so because I see, I can test you there. I can trust you with ruling this nation. I want you to know today that God may be testing you with something because what he has over here is so big. It's so great that no man, no eye has seen, no ear has heard because the way that you walk through the test thing produced it God's trusting and I don't know about you but I don't care to be trusted by anybody but God like I want y'all to trust that I'm, I'm rightly divine in the word right now but if God is pleased if God is pleased that's all that matters because I want you to know that you're testing the Bible says the testing of your faith produces perseverance so if you feel like you're in a season today man a life is just falling apart. Maybe, just maybe, God is testing your faith because he wants to see if he can trust you with what he has for you. Somebody say it's in the middle. The last point, and the team can come at this time. I've read this text so many times. I've read this story so many different times in my life, but I saw it differently this time. There was, there was this phrase that just kept jumping out at me that I'd never seen before, and it was laced all throughout this story. And it's five words. It said, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. So my next point is that in the middle, the Lord is with you. I, I, I thought I had a church in here today. It, it, the Lord is with you. The God of heaven, the one who created the earth, hung the moon, hung the stars, did it all with one word, is with you. And my Bible says that if God before me, I'm about to get excited in this place. If my God says, my, my God before me, then who can be against me? What sickness can be against me? What relationship can be against me? What political figure can be against me? What financial trouble can be against me? If God be for me, who can be against me? Somebody shout, the Lord is with me. Hallelujah. I came to encourage somebody's faith today. That no matter what you're going through, the Lord is with you. Let me prove it. Genesis 39, 2, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything that he did in his home and in, in the Egyptian master. Pot 
Potiphar noticed. In verse 3, it says, Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with him. Why do I need to pause there for a minute? Because when God is with you, not only do you know it, but everybody notices around you. They're like, man, how are you going through that divorce with a smile on your face? How are you going through that closing of that business with your head up? How are you still going to church? It must be because the Lord is with you. In verse 21 and 39, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. I'm going to stop there because prison represents the lowest place and the darkest season of his life. And for some of you today, that's where you are. You haven't told anybody. You're like, how in the world does he know this message? How does he know this about me? I don't, God does. And God sent me from Virginia in the middle of a series you guys were doing to let you know he's with you in the middle. Some of you are in your darkest place. You don't know where the answers are coming from. You don't know where to turn to. You've been struggling with something for a long time, for years. Your marriage is not turning like you thought. The, the business isn't growing like you thought. The, the school system isn't happening like you, like you thought. Everything that you thought that you had planned was not happening and you are in the middle. And you feel like when you're in the middle, nobody can see you. That's why we don't like the middle. Because we feel like nobody cares what's going on with me. Nobody's concerned. Nobody's texting me. Nobody's calling me. I'm just dealing with this all by myself. And if I could just get in the window seat of life, if I could just see when this is going to end, if I could just know how far away we are, if I could just see that I'm above the storm, I would know I'd be okay. But I want to tell you today that just because you can't see God working doesn't mean he's not moving. Just because you're in the middle season of your life and you don't see him moving does not mean he's not working. How do I know this? Because Jesus himself knows the middle. They say, how do you know that? Well, I know the, the night before he was to be turned in and to be crucified, he, he said, my God, my God. This is so hard. I mean, I, I saw the dream. I know what it's going to do. I know it's going to save people. I know those things. But right now, I'm in the middle of this. God, I need you. But guess what? The Lord was with him. The Bible says that on that day, he took the most pain, the most abuse. He carried that cross. And he couldn't breathe at times because that's how some of you feel right now. He's, he wasn't getting any rest and some of you feel like you're not getting any rest. And he fell over at times because sometimes in the middle seasons of our life, that's what happens. It's just like, I don't even know what to do, but... And the Lord was with him and he stood up and he said as he continued to walk my face flashed before his eyes your face flashed before his eyes my daughter's face 
flashed before his eyes and he said, I, I gotta do this. I, I, I gotta do this for TJ. I, I gotta do this for Michael. I, I gotta do this for Brian. I, I gotta do this for those people. And so the Bible says he took his place right in the middle of two thieves and he stretched out his hands and he took his place in the middle so that he knew that he would step in your middle. What am I telling you today? It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter the burden that you're carrying. It doesn't matter how how much you're struggling I want you to know that Jesus knows your middle because he's right he's he's right there in the middle with you would you stand and lift up your hands in this place right now I feel Jesus come on every hand uplifted in this place I know that many of you are in the middle season right now you don't even have to tell me but I want you to know this there's nothing else that you don't remember is the Lord is with you he's not with me because I'm a pastor he's not with Pastor Gene because he's a pastor he's with you because he loves you and he sees you and you are a child of God and so if you're in the middle season right now could everybody put your hands down for just one moment if you're in the middle season right now with every head up, it's okay, because we're a church and we're body believers and we're going to carry each other, right? If you say you're in the middle season, would you do me a favor and would you just slip up your hands right now? I want to pray for, I want to see who we're praying for. Thank you, thank you. Hands going up all over this place, all over the auditorium. Jesus. Jesus. I want to pray for you right now that God would give you the strength to make it through. Father, I pray for every single hand that's lifted in this auditorium. Every single person, God, that says, Lord, I'm in the middle, I'm in the middle season. And maybe they don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. They don't know who to talk to. But God, I pray if there's anything that they get right now is for them to know that the Lord is with them. So I pray right now, God, strength over them, favor over them, grace over them. And God, even though tomorrow may not be the best day, even though tomorrow the sun may not shine, even though things may feel hard, God, they will wake up with the truth knowing that the Lord is with them. Give them strength. Give them hope. Give them faith in you. In Jesus' name, when every head bowed and every eye closed, the last thing I want to pray for is the most important thing. Because some of you are in this room You've been in a middle season your whole life and this Jesus that I was talking about that was in the middle, you maybe haven't quite fully received him yet or maybe you turned and today's the day you wanna come back. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10, verse eight, verse nine, it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And so today, I wanna give you that opportunity to respond to that gospel and we're not going to do anything here at destiny we don't do anything to single you out or embarrass you i just want to know who i'm going to be praying with and for right now so if that's you on the count of three would you lift up your hands one two three come on if that's you you say i want jesus thank you i see your hand right there i see your hand on the side i see your hand over there i see you in the back thank you jesus i see your hand in the back thank you jesus you can put your hands down now church let's pray this out loud for the benefit of those that have never 
prayed this before because we are one body and one church. Everybody say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Make me brand new. Today, I declare that you are my Lord and Savior. And I confess that you lived, that you died, and that you were raised from the dead. And from this moment forward, I will live for you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a big amen. Come on in last service, in this service. So many people raised their hand. Oh, come on, all of heaven is rejoicing. Oh, come on, this is what church is all about. Lift up a shout to Jesus in this place.